I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Oh, hello, uh, and welcome to the Leaves of Glen Mansion, uh, a fun little bit where I pretend to live in a mansion and not just recording in my basement. This is where I read the hottest public domain books and short stories. This week, we're continuing to read uh, The Judgment on Janice by Andre Norton. I'm not looking forward to this. I gotta finish something. I've noticed that uh, I looked at my my stats recently for the uh, the podcast, and I saw that oh man, people just flock to the time that I started to read Peter Pan. Oh, they they listen to chapter one, they listen to chapter two, chapter three, and then uh, I'm sure their hearts are broken when I yell at them about how this author is a murderous pedof- uh, pedophile, and uh, and so then I stopped reading it. I feel like if I would have kept reading it. Maybe more people would listen to my show, but instead I get fussy about what I'm reading, and then I just drop it. Uh, I also did the same thing with um, David Copperfield uh, by Charles Dickens. I actually liked that story. I was reading it, I was enjoying it, and realized that it had been two months of me reading this thing, and I was getting nowhere near halfway through the book. So I moved on, because I didn't want to make my show the uh, David Copperfield show. Not even the cool one, the magician. So, uh, I moved on, and, uh, I feel like I gotta finish this. I don't like this book, but I gotta finish it, because damn it, I gotta finish something. So, let's learn about the author. Andre Norton, born Alice Mary Norton, February, uh, 17th, 1912, to March 17th, uh, 2005. Nice round birth and death dates, uh, was an American writer of science fiction and fantasy, who also wrote books of historical contemporary fiction. Uh, she wrote uh, primarily under the pen name of Andre Norton, but also under Andrew North and uh, Alan Weston. She was the first woman to be the Gandalf Grand Master uh, of fantasy, and to be inducted by the Science Fiction Fantasy Hall of Fame. Uh, don't really got any fun facts about her, so uh, that's kind of it. What's been going on with me? I had Halloween. That was cute. Uh, I don't have to do the Halloween episodes with the annoying music that I thought was fun at first and bothered the shit out of me later. Uh, I recorded an episode of uh, with my friends of a show that I used to listen to back in the 80s when I was a kid uh, and, and tried real hard to get it to sound exactly the same as the real show. Uh, and that's kind of it. I got nothing else. Now I'm reading this. Oh, oh, because I want to be popular. Popular Glenn. Uh, I realized, okay, people want to listen to stuff that they know. Fine. Uh, they wanted Peter Pan. Couldn't do it. He's a murderous pedophile. So what was my other option? I found out that uh, Winnie the Pooh just came into the public domain. So after I finish this turd fest, uh, I'm going to be reading Winnie the Pooh. Is that what you people want? Is that going to make you listen to my show if I read things like Winnie the Pooh? What else do I got to read? Treasure Island? That's up on the docket. What else do you want me to read? I was going to read Dracula, but uh, words about books pretty much killed that for me. Uh, it's like four episodes of talking about the book Dracula. Really interesting when they talk about it, but I felt like I already read the book and I don't want to read it. So thanks to words about books for ruining that for me. Uh, beyond that, uh, nothing else. Christ, I got to waste time. There's got to be something I can read. 
Uh, let's see, what do I got? Oh, authors who are dicks from grunge.com. Ernest Hemingway. Make the Mount Rushmore of Amer uh, American writers, can't say it, and you've got to add Ernest Hemingway. Papa Hemingway types some of the all-time great novels like A Farewell to Arms, eh? and For Who the Bell Tolls, and The Old Man in the Sea, and even nabbed a Nobel Prize. But when he wasn't churning out classics, you could find him getting drunk and going on crazy adventures. He patrolled the Cuban coast in his fishing boat, hunting for Nazi subs, and he survived two plane crashes while big game hunting in, in East Africa. Oh, he drove an ambulance during World War I and worked as a journalist during the Spanish Civil War. However, things took a dark turn when Hemingway joined the KGB, the notorious Soviet spy agency. Uh, part secret police, part intelligence organization, the KGB uh, made its name jailing political opponents and murdering enemies of the state. And when it came to digging up dirt and hunting down dissidents, the KGB is right up there with the Stasi and the Gestapo. In other words, if you get a job with the KGB, you're automatically not cool. Oh, uh, Gunch.com's the best. Oh, was that it? Okay, well, anyways, he's given the code name Argo. Uh, he met with agents in North London, and Argo never delivered any political information. The Russians soon gave up on their undercover author, so he was a useless double agent. Well, with that, let's uh, get into the story. All right, let's uh, dive into... Chapter 6 of this book, right away the title of it pisses me off. Iftkan the Dead. I forgot these characters have the most ridiculous 60s sci-fi names. Dark green, but only in patches. Elsewhere stands of white, stark white pillars. Oh, dead trees around which only small brush crept. Uh, a few stunted saplings grew. Yet, in his mind, it was alive! Exclamation point. Silver green, tall and beautiful. Uh, the tree towers of Iftkan. Oh, that's right. It's the place that he's at. And if only he could remember clearly and more. Niall cupped hands over his eyes, peering through finger slits uh, to shut out the light as much as he could. The river was wide, but there were rocks jutting above its shrunken summer sun, uh, surface. Oh, oh, one could uh, cross by aid of those. Yeah, only it was open sky there, and, and he could hear the hum of the flyer. Suppose, dash, suppose a man could slip down into the flood a little to the east and let the current carry him at an angle downstream to the point where of tumbled rocks uh, speared into the water. A mat of old storm flotsam clung and banked there to the to form cover. Beyond it was brush into which one could dock. Niall tensed, listening to the ground or the sound of the overhead menace, trying to gauge just how far away it was, speculating as to how much of the riverbank its pilot would observe. Oh, he dared not look aloft into the sky. His eyes protested, even at the amount of sunlight, and he feared blindness. He dropped his hands eh, and eased off the breeches. Green body against the earth might have a better chance. Now, dot, 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 exclamation point. God damn it. As well as Niall could judge, the flyer was on the farthest edge of the loop it was traveling. He began to crawl down slope to the water, keeping to all the cover there was. The flyer was headed back, exclamation point. Niall froze, oh, hugging the earth, feeling the despair of the insect overhung by a giant boot ready to stamp it flat. Oh, he found himself furiously willing blindness on the pilot, invisibility for himself. The motor beat loudly in his ears. Uh, was the machine hovering on rappel ray 
right over him. <laughs> By the gigantic effort of will, he lay quiet and made himself wait and listen. No, not a hover. It was passing, passing south. And when it reached the far point of the wing, uh, swing, I can't read. I'm reading an actual book, and this print is tiny, so five pages goes on for like an hour. Ugh. He could make a run that should slip him into the water. He listened, then moved. The water was cold. It chilled his bare body as he tried to enter without tearing splashes. Uh, then he let the current pull him along. Above the sound of the, turn the page, water, he caught the hum of the flyer on its back sweep. Niles' nails grated on a rock as he clung in its shadow, oh, trying to make himself small. Luck was with him. The machine was passing over, and he loosened that frantic hold, allowed himself to drift downstream. <laughs> and when he caught against the rock point, oh, he could control himself no longer, but scrambled out of the water, scuttled over the rocks and dived into the brush cover at the foot of one of those bleached bones, the dead tree towers of Iftcan. For several long moments, he barely lay there, listening, fearing as he betrayed himself in the small burst of panic. Only the hum was fading again. The flyer was going north. Oh, I got a piece of food in my mouth. There we go. He had made the crossing undetected. Now to finding a hiding place in which to wait out the day to favor his smarting eyes. Niall put out a hand, drew it down. to the, Oh, that's right. I forgot. He's turning green and, and whatever else because he found treasure in the woods. If you find treasure in the woods, it turns you into an alien. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Uh, it was huge, this tall trunk. But this was not Iftcan, whose trees had known a thousand planet years of carefully tended growth. Eh, question mark. And his hand fell away as he drew back from the dead. In uh, this way, he knew a little of the same revulsion he had known at the Garth. Living things did not shelter among the dead. Niall moved on from the verge of the river, keeping prudently undercover. Always about him were the leafless trees, long since finished, yet standing as uh, monuments to their own ends. Now they were quiet. Those forest aisles of Ifcan. Uh, his passing alerted no bird or small living thing. No insect uh, sped away. And here, no breeze sang a song he could almost but not quite put words to. At least the flyer had not uh, followed. It had circled above the river. Niall was through the first ring now. Here was a belt of denser green, eh? and in it lifted the crowns of two saplings, untended, unshaped, yet the species was not dead. Uh, then, Niall pushed his way to one, regardless of scratches and the stinging whip of small branches, uh, to stand and run his hand along its trunk. It seemed that the bark pulsed under his palm, as if he stroked to pet an animal that responded by arching its body to fit closer into his hand. A uh, cute little thing here, I guess it's probably a song. Far, far and first the seed, then seedling, from the rooting to the growing, birth of body, stir of leaf, ift to tree, tree to ift! Exclamation point. So I guess it's a cute little ditty he sings to himself. I don't know. He crooned the words hardly above a uh, whisper. What do they mean? Uh, demanded Niall. Renfro. His full name. Growing words. Power words. Words of recognition. Replied I.R. The death was not holy death. The triumph of the Larsh was not complete. And these saplings had seated aright. Somewhere, uh, one or more of the great crowns was yet alive. Weaving a path between the dead, he cut deeper into the unknown. Another living sapling. And then, dot, 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 
Uh, he stared in wonder. Old, very old, dot, 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 huge, dot, 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 this, dash, his tangled memory sought, comma, found, dash, this was if, dash, sigia, if sigia, ah, fuck it, the ancient citadel of the south, and it lived. No ladder hung from the great forelimb stretching high above his head. There was no way to reach the hollow. Uh, he could sight where that mighty limb joined the parent trunk. And he had no wings to whisk from aloft. Oh, Niall's head turned slowly as he caught, on the breeze ruffling the tree leaves, the slight hint of another scent. Tracing it! Oh, he found what otherwise might have been uh, overlooked, the sapling ladder carefully hidden in the leaf mat on the ground. To the off-worlder or settler, it would have been nothing more than a dead tree with stumps of branches still sprouting jaggedly from its trunk. I.R. of the Iftin knew it instantly, swung it up against the bulk of the Iftsiga, Iftsija, god damn it, and climbed it nimbly to the limb that was wide enough to accommodate four of his kind walking abreast. He <laughs> traveled along it. It paused for... Only a moment at the hollow of the doorway before stepping into the past. The far, far past. The walls of that circular room were very thick, as they should have been when the sap and life of Ipsija were housed within them. A living shell to encase the the bollowed center. The odor that had guided him to the ladder was stronger here, yet the upper room was empty. Light pulsed on the ceiling overhead. Lorgeous. Okay, the larvae that clustered in the tree cores, attracting to them by that phosphorescence of their bodies, the minute flying creatures on which they fed. They made a ring about the opening that held the stair pole, reaching up and down in the middle of the tree, and Niall's present interest was downward. Oh, he lifted his hands and feet into the, coal, uh, the old slots of the pole and descended nimbly. The odor of occupation was still there, yeah, but it had been three or four days since those others had left. Another room? But not an empty one. Niall swung away from the stairwell to look about him. The subdued light given off by the second uh, cluster of lorges uh, was uh, satisfactory. Carving stools, several. A neatly piled collection of sleep mats and against the fur wall, dot, dot, dot. He made for that. And his hands, reaching out eagerly to lift the inlaid cover on the chest, was a masterpiece of construction. An intricate combination of many kinds of wood. Uh, Niall went down on one knee to roll back the protecting bark cloth. Then his breath expelled in a hiss. Huh? Of pleasure <laughs> and content as to be picked by one of the exposed weapons from its oily nest of fluce down. <sighs> it caught the soft light, glinting green silver, and it might have been forged for him alone. That sword with the leaf shaped blade and the perfect balance, so well did it gem to hilt. Uh, fit into his hand as he swung it experimentally. To Niall Renfro, it was strange, if beautiful weapon. To I.R., it was comfort, in answer to the desires for defense. Oh, that's right, he's two people now. He's basically a new alien named I.R., but he kills, still keeps refined, referring, can't speak, as uh, Niall. I'm done talking, let's just keep reading. Uh, an answer to his desires for defense. A sword, even completed uh, with the scabbard and shoulder belt. Ooh, yeah. uh, and this was when he explored the contents of the arms of the chest further. Was not all he needed. Clothing, food, shelter. Dot, 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 
Dot, he began to examine the other furnishings of the tree room. Clothing, packed carefully in a long basket of woven... This is so boring. Splints and dried aromatic leaves to be shaken from its folds as he pulled it forth to measure against his own lank body, and he stood up minutes later. Uh, the soft green-silver-brown fabric stretching and accommodating itself to every movement of his frame in tight breeches. A tunic, oh, a tunic laced over the chest with a silver cord and the supple boots which he had longed for earlier. Also, he wore a cloak ah, with a hood and a gemmed buckle ah, to fasten the throat, all strange and yet very familiar. Niall smoothed the fabric across his thighs, Ooh. and he had given up wondering why he knew what he knew. All the bits about the other life, he welcomed I.R. and I.R.'s broken memories. His alien knowledge, instead of striving to thrust that odd intruder out of his mind, this was I.R.'s world, now his. Wisdom dictated that he accept the fact and build what future he could upon it. I sat down on a pile of mats, uh, munching a crumbling cake of stuff Iyer had uh, welcomed eagerly and uh, tried to put his thoughts in order and reach back to the beginning of, of all this. Niall Renfro had found a cache of the mysterious treasure that turned up without reason here and there on the holdings of the believers, and uh, from that had come all the rest. The green stick! which could remember that dimly of the being dragged out from Cosberg's prison room and bearing his fate pronounced exile and death alone in the forest. But Niall Renfo had not died. Not wholly. He had instead become Iyar uh, of the of the Ifton, uh, who, who also could remember a battle through a city. Towering trees turned the page of the bitterness of an overwhelming and complete defeat. And physically, he was no longer Niall Renfro either. Oh, he was a green-skimmed, big-eared forest dweller who apparently could frighten Garthman into a panic. Three dots, a monster. Green-sick, change monster. Four dots, the procession of events made sense of that kind, but there had been others who had fallen ill in the past. Had they all been changed? Oh, his hands paused with the bread stuff. If so, then they could be out here too. Uh, they could be the ones who had left their scent, their signs of occupation. Here, right where he was, exclamation point. Mm -hmm. And who had not alone in his exile? Oh, they had been here and left their possessions laid up carefully against the future return uh, to wait here for them. And uh, might as well be the brightest move. At any rate, he needed rest. And he wanted to do nothing to provoke any investigation from those who rode the flyer. Uh, he would wait until night, three dots. Why not four? What's the difference? I don't know. Is there a logic behind how many dots? How come it's not followed up with a bunch of them dashes? I don't know. They don't explain anything in this book. For the night was his! Exclamation point. Niall! Niall! Finished the bread. He flicked the crumbs from his fingers and lay back on the mats, all pulling the cloak over him and his unsheathed sword beside him where his hand could reach and curl about its hilt in an instant. Oh, he blinked drowsily with the sticky dots uh, to better entrap their lustful prey. And those drifted lazily in the air. Uh, the quiet held him, and then it seemed as if the living, soothing spell, and he slept, this time with no dreams at all. How long he slept, Niall could not have told, but he awoke quickly with uh, every faculty alert, and the chamber that he had been in, uh, he could hear no sound. Sitting up, down he stretched, got to his feet, and went to the pole ladder, and on the impulse he descended another level in 
Ifsidja. Ifsidja. Fuck it. Here was a third regular chamber, slightly larger. There were chests against the wall. One pulled away from the rest. Niall went over, lifted the lid, and ruffled aside. More bark, uh... Uh, cloth packing, only to be startled into an exclamation. Green stone necklace, eh, box, eh, tube of glowing colors. Eh, piece by piece, he beheld an exact duplicate of the treasure he had uncovered in the clearing. Niall lifted out the color tube, and it was the same as the one Cosberg had stomped in the dust. Uh, in every flit of color, change a pattern along its surface. But why? Slowly he took out each object and studied it carefully before putting it aside for the next. Oh, the chest was still far from empty. There was a second layer of cloth, eh? And then another, another treasure set. With the same care as he had brought them out, Niall repacked the objects. He sat on the floor in his hands, still resting on the lid of the chest as he thought this through. Two sets of treasure perfect reproductions of each other, and both like the set he had seen destroyed at Cosberg's. Ah, he wished he knew all the other treasures, caches, and the settlers had blasted and also been these. If so, eh, why? Ritual objects placed as offerings or to mark graves. Niall tried to find the answer in IR memory, but there was no response from his new alter ego. Either IR had known nothing of such things, or else there was a block between his memory and Niall Renfro. But there had to be a purpose in the caches, uh, in the forest, in the strange seer. Uh, the chest had been moved out of line. Why? To better abstract part of its contents recently? Why? Niall could have screamed that aloud in his frustration. Perhaps somewhere else in Ifsija, he could find his answers. But then he went back to the pole ladder. He discovered that the opening of the chambers below were sealed. Ah, shit, there's a kid down here. And you got a cat on your shoulders again. God damn it. I'm a, I was two pages away from being done with this chapter. But look at his cute little face. I see his face. Can you hear him purring? Get him in there. I'm trying. Get his little mouth right up in there. I think we might have got it. Well, how was uh, how was work? It was fine. Anything exciting? Any weird people show up? No. Weird clothing-related questions and issues? No. Okay, well, back to my story. The boy. <sighs> yes, he's very cute. He's very cute. He's a very cute. I love him. He's a very cute little man. Oh. When are you ready to do our podcast about uh, the book we read? Once I do my college application. <laughs> I hate that real life's getting in the way of my hobby. Okay, bye. Bye bye. Where the hell did I leave off? Uh, but when you went back to the pole ladder, you discovered that the opening of the chambers, it was, it was all exasperated, pounding, and the round of wood did not give way. Baffled. God, how many more pages? Another another page. He climbed once more into the room where he had slept and then decided to go up. The dim light of twilight came in through the limbed door. As he reached the entrance chamber and there was no sound from without save the rustle of leaves. After a moment, two or, or two, he climbed to the level above. Here were no lorgas in the ceiling. Eh, only gray outer light admitted through window holes. The chamber was empty, save for powdery dust and the ghostly remnants of long shed leaves. Perhaps, oh, every upper level was the same, but he decided to try one or two more. Jesus Christ, this is like reading Lord of the Rings when they walk through the forest for nine chapters. Niall was still on the pole ladder when he heard it, a furious snapping. 
ending in a hooting call. Yeah, well, low-pitched, yet an urgency in it that he could not be denied. And then IR part of him responded to that with a burst of speed. I scrambled through the ladder, well, to face the fluttering, beating wings, to look into a feathered face where great eyes were ringed darkly to seem the larger. And then there was that gaze met his own. Niall was again startled. Speech? No, dash. The hoots and clicks of a big curved bill did not add up to the human speech, yet this flying thing recognized him, welcomed his aid, traded on his alliance between them. Not an alliance uh, such as exists between man and animal, as he had known, but as between one species of intelligent life form and another of equal, if different, mentality. It was as shocking in that uh, first moment of realization as if the tree holding them both had broken into unintelligible words. Oh, the bird thing was hurt. But had been blasted uh, by Dash by men. Yeah. And Niall had an oddly distorted mental picture of the hunters, which must have flashed from the other's mind into his. That's convenient. Uh, someone from the port trying to uh, relieve the tedium of a planet-side stay had gone hunting. Oh, a wing was trailed for his inspection, showing singed feathers, the raw bite of a blaster bird. And it, it, it was big, uh, this... Jesuian bird uh, with a wing spread of uh, close to five Terran feet. Its body puffed in fluffy white gray feathers, standing on huge talons intended for hunting. Now its demand for aid and attention grew sharper in his head. It allowed him to inspect the bird. The wound uh, was uh, not bad enough to incapacitate it entirely. Niall received another blurred mental impression of the victim into the forest and away from off-world invaders, but he had not the slightest idea in the world what to do for the injury. The bird, the bird squatted down, and before him, as he sat cross-legged, it uh, folded its good wing uh, to the body and kept the other outspread. And Niall winced at the strange mind deliberately invaded his own. It was as if the, the two uh, recordings, similar in most major features, this is so fucking boring, different genes, I get it, they're mentally connected, I get it, they can like do mental telepathy and talk that way. Smaller details which must be fitted upon the other for a matching of patterns. Uh, that could not be done entirely, but for the major points where the match could be made. Yes, Niall said, as if the bird could understand. Yes. He swang down on the ladder pole from the room that had been inhabited. The same woven wicker basket that had held the clothing uh, had what he sought to pouch and had overlooked. This is so boring. And with his cord hooked over his arm, Niall reclined to where the bird waited. Awkwardly, he mixed powdered leaves from one small box into the paste held by another and then spread that dressing with all the care he knew uh, into the raw burn. When it had done, the bird hooted again uh, and walked uh, about in a circle as if testing the ability to do that, though he did not uh, try its wing. Uh, who, what are you? Niall asked suddenly, but I.R. was answering that for him. A queerin. Uh, the tree dwellers who far in the past had made a pact and an alliance with the Ifton, uh, who were also tree dwellers and lovers of the forest of the world, uh, the hunter on two legs, hunter on two wings, warrior armed with sword, warrior armed with talons, and sundering hooked bill. Uh, they had hunted and they had fought side by side. And when the need arose because uh, some trick of nature, 
they had been able to communicate after a fashion. Oh, it was not an alliance between thinking man, an instinct-ruled animal or bird, uh, but the partnership between the two species of equal or different prowess. Uh, Hurt the Quarren had returned to the place where he could expect aid, and it claimed that from Niall as a right. Now, moved by something he could not understand, Niall held out his hand uh, with odd attentiveness, then the head bent more. The cruelly hooked bill opened and closed, not on flesh, nah, not to render terror, but in firm pressure, as a man's hand might clasp his fellow's hand in a signal of greeting. Jesus Christ, this is so wordy and so long. And in friendship, a quick grasp over almost at once, but Niall smiled slowly. Niall I.R. was no longer alone in Iftkan the dead. Jesus Christ, I am so unhappy. Well, with that, I've kind of given up on the fake commercial thing, so let's see if we can go up to the master bedroom where uh, my wife is probably sitting there waiting to watch us make love to each other as I read to you the latest upcoming romance novels from Penguin Random House Books. Boy, this better be good. I mean, uh, you know I'm unhappy reading this book, and I wanted something sexy. I wanted to get sexy. I wanted to get wet. But instead, you're dressed up like some kind of hockey player with a cast on his arm. Uh, You stuff your pants. You got a big boner. This is horse crap. Yeah, okay. I see you gesturing towards the beautiful waterbed where you put the book called Ice Storm by Tracy Goodwin, part of the New York Nighthawks series. It's an e-book. Great. When an injured hockey legend uh, with a PR problem and a former teen star craving an edgier public image start a fake relationship, neither expects a real challenge, ignoring their fiery chemistry in this steamy friends-to-lovers romance. Is every single romance book from Penguin Random House Books always a friends to, like a reluctant friends-to-lovers story? Can't anyone think of anything else? Theo, they call me... Thor. Oh, I'm a showman with mad skills on and off the ice until a nagging injury forces me to confront, dash, long-term, dash, the possibility that my career is coming to an early end. All endorsement deals hinge on my reputation, and my bad boy persona isn't cutting it. Oh, to keep sponsorships, I need a major image overhaul. Enter Olivia De Laurentiis, the quintessential girl next door who's hell bent on shedding her good girl charade. And what better way than to get together with a rule-breaking Avenger wannabe? What the hell does any of this mean? So she and I strike an agreement. We pretend date. The odds of anything real happening between us are slim, especially since we're already friends and she's also my best friend's sister. This is so weird. One problem, she turns me on. Oh, and I learned real fast that Liv is playing by her own rules. Olivia. Now it's Olivia's point of view. Great. I was a teenage American sweetheart. But what I once thought was the opportunity of a lifetime has left me typecast as an innocent, naive girl. And I'm sick of it. My brother's best friend, bad boy hockey star Theo Tur- 
tour needs some positive PR. So I offer to uh, a fake relationship. It's not my first. What? The difference? Oh, this time I'm in complete control. Uh, and what's there to lose? Certainly not my heart, since Theo's already friend-zoned. Plus, the poster boy for an alpha male. Bold. Uh, brash. Uh, tattooed. is not my type. At all. Uh, but there's one problem. I didn't expect the explosive chemistry between us, or the vulnerability behind his tough guy facade, or that he has a, a hidden secret that I'm desperate to uncover. Oh, he's not the, the only one with secrets, though. <laughs> and as the lines of our fake relationship blur, I'm worried I'll be the one exposed. That sounds like horseshit. That's Ice Storm by Tracy Goodwin from the New York Nighthawks. It's an e-book coming out November 22nd, so make sure to download that. It's available from Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, the Google Play Store, and Kobo. Well, I'm not horny. I hated that entire thing. I hate your outfit, and I hate your stuffed boner. Let me reach over it. Yeah, it's fake. Okay, well, why don't we uh, go back downstairs to the, to the library and read the rest of this book. The plot is dazzling, the setting's wonderful, and the author's imagination is in full gear. That's a quote from the library journal on the front of this book. I disagree with all of it. How many pages are in this? One, two, three, four, five, till I get to chapter eight. Hell on earth. All right, let's go. Chapter seven, double trail. Oh my god, it's already starting off with something I can't stand. In quotes, Hoorrrr, H-O-R, H-O-O-R-U-R-R. Hoorrrr, Niall had made of the bird's call a name. I don't think that they are coming again soon. I hope that you guys take pleasure in the fact that I'm so goddamn miserable right now. I'm going to finish this book, but I hate every fucking minute of it. He sat at the upper door of Ifshija, I forgot how I pretended to pronounce it before, a perch that he had made of his own. So now he's got an owl friend. I hate this. Uh, his own uh, for hours at a time. Well, he waited for the unknown to return. Three days, or rather nights, for the nights were now his time of action. And no sign of it. Uh, any ift had climbed that ladder and made camp within the three bowl for years. Ugh. And yet, Niall's nose had told him that they had, they had been they had arrived there only hours after them that first day. In spite of a uh, patient mental probing and attempts to communicate with the Quirin, uh, he could not learn whether or not the bird had been left behind or any of his kind, or if the relation between the winged tree uh, dweller and of the footed ones had been more than a casual one of simple acquaintance. Yeah, but with no speech in common, the mental contact could conveyed only imperative ideas and needs. I know, I get it, I don't care. But Hoorrr was company, and Niall fell into the habit of talking to the bird. Uh, there was no reason to remain in Ifska, Ifsija, if it was now deserted, and uh, who had been those temporary indwellers? Other changelings such as himself were remnants of the true Ifton, who had survived, broken shadows of what they had once been. The trouble was that Iars 
Knowledge had still reached Nile. Oh my god, only in bits and pieces, and uh, most often widely separated and disconnected bits and pieces. Matters pertaining to the daily round of maintaining a life, that information came to Nile easily. Oh, he had known just where to go within that tree to tap the water supply. I know we get all this already, and he knew the food supplies and how to seek them out. Yep, we know you explained it. You handed it to us for like nine pages. But all the rest of those strange memories were hazy, impossible to fit together. Once on Janus, there had been two peoples, mm -hmm. the Ifton dwelling in the trees, possessing knowledge that allowed them to shape and tend the growing things so that they could have a kinship with feeling, if not the blood of the body with the forest, and the large, more primitive, not resembling the forest men either mentally or physically, fearing the, quote, magic of the tree people, dreading it enough to want to kill, to stamp out as the Garthmen fought to eradicate the forest nowadays. Oh, the Larsh were not off-world settlers, though, and the war between the Ifton and the Larsh had been centuries ago. Ifton had been dead a long, long time. Then why did I.R. remember, and how had I.R. become part of Niall Renfro, or Renfro I.R.? I fucking hate this. Whenever his thoughts poured into the familiar path, Niall was uneasy. Sometimes treading around the tree chambers while Huru uh, clicked his bill impatiently, he <laughs> got... No, Niall repeated now, they are not returning. All was stored here for a period of waiting. Those swords were in oiled covering. The rest is put away. Uh, they have gone, so I go after. If he could pick up the trail of those who have been here, find them, then he would know the truth. And there had been no sign that either settlers or post-flyer had ventured this side of the river. He had never heard of Ifcan uh, at the Garth, yet... As a forest space with the trees already dead uh, would have been seized upon by the settlers who had known it. Oh, he was uh, too late in trying to uh, trace the unknowns. Horror, in quotes. He looked straight into the birds. Big eyes. This I must do. Go after him. With the mind as well as his lips, hmm, Niall strove to make his need plain, experiencing once more that weird mixed match of thought pattern. Well, the bird stretched wide wings, uh, moved the injured one and experimentally, and then he sounded his haunting call. Ooh, Huru would manage, but Niall must walk his path alone. The Quarren did not intend to leave Iftkan, Burp, and its chosen hunting grounds. It was one thing to come to such a decision as another to carry it out. Niall, down from Ifsaga and the sapling ladder, more concealed than he had first found it, stood in the shadows. The difficulty of this quest brought forcefully home to him as he looked around. I did not believe that he would find those he sought still within the bounds of Ifkan, even if others of the tree towers still lived. But now, north, south, west, which way? South were the spreading guards. Ah, uh, he thought he could easily rule out that direction, and the northeast was a, was a spaceport. Eastward, more guards. Somehow, he believed that he would not discover uh, who he sought to near off any off-world place. Uh, west, where the map said one of the narrow fingers of the sea lay. In the end, he decided to let his path set by chance, and the wind, for the wind sighing through the leaves, was oddly company of a sort, a comforting voice overheard, and the wind pushed him west. He made his first mistake in lingering so long at Ifsiga, Ifsiga, I give up, and the trace of scent which might have guided him uh, must now be lost. Yet he still depended upon his nose to pick up hints of life in this dead forest. Life there was! I'm trying to make it fun. 
IR memory identified most of it. Animals, flying things, and in the patches of the vegetation that straggled among the bone bear, bulls of the dead, tree towers. But there came to the first ring. Here the trees were scorched with ancient fire, eaten away as they toppled to the ground, and as the spreading wasteland was dreary, but already half covered once again by a ragged growth of rank things, uh, things that if in would neither encourage nor allow, uh, things that encourage a lot, I just read that part again, uh, to root near their city in the old days. Niall's half-knowledge took him on detours to avoid certain plants from which came to, to stretch, to twist the nostrils. And there was thorn-studded vine Lines, running lines to entrap unwary feet. God, I wish the story would get to the point. <laughs> in, the, in the wholesome mass lurked other life, uh, immensible to his species. In the in the Minnesota, uh, give up. This was a waste where large destruction had begun to work of defilement, and the evil that had always waited for a chance to break the defense wall had entered in greedily to take possession of once clean city. The inner part of Ifcan had become a sad place, oh, and his uh, filthy Charnel house. And Niall hesitated to force a path in that direction. As he stood there, I.R. memory stirred. Supplied with strange emotion, uh, but he felt more than disgust. Dot dot dot. Not four, just three. Uh, danger. Three dots. A barely understood warning that something old and perilous lay there. There remained the river to travel along its bank. Should eventually bring him to the sea. Why the sea? Question mark. The forest was ifted country, not the restless water to the west. Yet three dots. The wind blew him seaward. Nile. Cut away from the edge of the waste of the, of the running water, reaching the river, he believed not far from the point where he had swum to safety. The moon made a silver ribbon, waxed and broken by the current, to serve as its trail marker. When dawn showed gray, uh, he made himself a nest in the thicket well, shaded from the sun, and lay there. Turn a page. Lulled by the water's murmur, in that half-drowsing state, another scrap of I.R.'s memory came to him again. I know, we get it. Just move on. A vivid picture of a boat oared by men who wore the Ifton dress, watched shadows of the Ifton eyes, bore Ifton swords, and steered down between the threatening rocks where the water boiled. A boat bearing Ifton warriors to the sea. This was an old trail then. This water one. Niall was on the trail again in the late evening when he found the campsite, coming down into the rock-enclosed hollow to stand, nostrils expanding, picking up that lingering trace of scent that the wind had not yet pushed away. He went down on his knees, studying the floor of the hollow, trying to pick out some track that would prove his guess correct. River sand filled that stone-walled cup, and he sifted the coarse stuff through his fingers until he uncovered a, a, fushin, a fussin' pod. Great. Split open, seed gone. A pod here, with no brush nearby to shed it naturally, and he was right. This was the path of those he sought. I don't care. And he had a boatman of his memory, and they were heading seaward. His pace became a trot when he came to that camp, and he was ridden by an increasing feeling of urgency, and that he must catch up with the strangers, reach them soon, or he would be too late. Too late? Question mark. Why? Question mark. Just another of the many mysteries that he had been on this portion of Janus. 
But Niall could not throw off that feeling, and it became so strong that he did not pause with the dawn, but kept on trying to travel undercover. Uh, By mid-morning, he was forced to admit that he could not go any farther, for the forest was dwindling, and since early light, the larger trees, standing fewer and farther apart, had vanished altogether. Now smaller growth and bush were common, fucking got it, with the wide strips of grass open between them. Niall found shelter in a shed. I don't care. It was neither constant or thick enough to make him truly comfortable. His head pillowed on his arm and his body and legs aching with fatigue, and he tried to rest. But that need for speed ate at him, and so this time was the only one of impatient waiting for the dusk. Jesus Christ. In the twilight, he went on into the open to top a hill and to walk into a change of wind. Now the breeze was chill and salt-laden. Beyond lay ridges of smaller... He's going to make it to the ocean. Why do we have to go through all this? Just say he got to the ocean. Just skip through all this and say he got to the goddamn ocean. (sighs) And ahead of those were curling feathers of white marking waves along a stem. Immediately before Niall was a low scoop of land where the river emptied into the ocean. Great. Cliffs raised walls on either hand. Don't care. Niall looked at them and his hand came to his mouth. Don't give a crap. Light, exclamation point, point, a spark of light, and he could uh, not have been mistaken. Surely he could not. And why such a beacon there? A signal? Eh. And some off-world explorer's encampment? Oh, prudence dictated caution to temper his first wild desire to run toward the light, but he waited in suspense. Eh, But then there was no second spark there. Had he been mistaken, seeing what he had hoped to see? Best go there and be sure. Niall started down the rise, slipping and sliding through the loose earth and heading for the northern cliff point. Distances must have been deceiving, or else the tricky footing on the stand hills slowed his progress. Oh, he had no way of measuring time, but he had thought that at least an hour had passed, and he had yet to reach the foot of the cliff where the spark had blazed. Oh, he could... Oh, I can smell the sea and the wind, eh? and hear the pound of the waves. I know, because he's at the sea, along the shore. Otherwise, he might be plodding through an empty and deserted world. Oh, my God. There was the cliff, surveying its rugged wall. Niall sighted nothing except the rock. But that offered handholds and tree openings so that he could climb and reach the crown to make sure. Don't care. Niall pulled himself up, over, sprawled, panting, and he had been right, exclamation point. There had been those from Ifcan, or some like them, and a very short time ago, he rolled over on his side, too spent for the moment to rise, and saw a hollow in the pinnacle of rock that made a pointed, easily detached finger in the night sky. And in that hollow, three dots and an exclamation point. Uh, on hands and knees, he came to it, thrust his hand out uh, to explore a plate of stone, and on it were ashes yet warm enough to make him jerk back his fingers, a signal, surely. Set why? Eh? For whom? The reason must lie still be... Can we just get past the whole, like, I don't know what's going on. There's this other person in me. Why am I doing this thing now? We get it. It's been a long time. Niall clung to the rock and wriggled out the very edge of the northern drop again. He looked down in the sea basin. The cliff on which he had uh, a twin, perhaps half a mile away, had been between them, and the waves washed well inland, making a natural and protected harbor, a, a, a harbor which now sheltered dot, 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 a ship, question mark. But the object was unlike any ship Niall had ever seen. Oh, he would rather have thought it a log, one of those gigantic logs from the old forest, bobbing up and down, and the whole 
of the waves. Oh, there were no oars and no, and no sails, no break in the rounded surface lying above the waterline. And this time, I, our memory, did not supply him with an explanation. Yet he knew that huge log did ride in the waves without purpose. Did it hold men, men such as himself, as the tree houses the if can and held and sheltered? Oh, and if so, where would it carry them now? There was no sign of any movement except for the slow swing in the log of the waves. That signal, four dots this time, Niall studied the drop below him, seeking a path to the water's edge. But he was forced to retreat some distance inland before he found a ledge uh, leading to zigzag cutting, which revealed the fact that he visits the signal post on the cliff must be regularly made. He rounded a last outshoot pinnacle as he met a fate path leading to the beach. That log which had apparently floated without uh, control or direction when he had watched from the cliff, now turned end on end toward the sea and was traveling out against the toss of the waves as if below the water's surface some propelling agent moved. I don't frickin' care. No! Exclamation point. Niall cried out aloud, ran stumbling through the sand of the water's edge where a wave formed about his ankles. Uh, there was nothing to be seen save the log, and that was moving with a purpose under command. He did not doubt. I know we get it. He was barely passing between the outer hooks of the cliffs, fast turning into a black blot into the water. Too late! He had come too late! Slowly, he retreated out into the wash of the foam, and it was then that he saw those other marks, indentations, one that could truly call footprints, cluster of them, where the sand had been widely disturbed. An embarkation point? Embark, embarkation point? Such tracks were all that remained. He studied them. They marked, he believed, the end of a fairly well-defined trail leading back to the interior of the continent. One source of answer to his collection of mysteries, the log, which had, uh, was more than a log, I know we get it, was now beyond his pursuit. But this trail, did it lead from Ifcan or some other uh, and more enlightening uh, beginning? It was recent, made within hours, and it was the only trace the strangers had left him. Niall turned his back to the sea, where the log was now only a black point, and he began to walk along the trail, uh, uh, those who had manned that queered vessel. Much later, he lay on the mat of leaves against the trunk of the tree, and peering through a screen of brush at what he had least expected to discover at the end of the trail, had traced through uh, two nights well away from the seashore, across the river again, the southward into the settlers' fringe lands, during the past hour, he had been skirting the ragged edges of a garth, not Cosberg's, too far west for that, and it was smaller, a newer beginning for some less well-established settler. The stragglers he scouted after had come for the northeast, perhaps straight from Ifcan, and they had spent some time slipping in and around the outer edges of the clearing in the south and the west. If they were on the... How many pages is left? Just tell me one. Oh, thank God, I've only got one page left. I'm freaking dying. This is the worst thing I've ever read. It's the most boring thing I've ever read. He had discovered one place where at least two encamped for some time, perhaps through a day or more, and they had been spying on the activity about the Garth, planning a raid, 
they had certainly taken every precaution to keep their presence a secret, and now he had come to the focal point of their explorations. Oh, they had scouted, they had spied, and then they had finished here. They had finished what? Niall only knew that from this place led the return of the trail to the seashore. And so here, their mission had uh, been either accomplished eh, or abandoned. Now it was early morning, leaving them very little time to make their own search before uh, having to retire to the tree hollow where the others waited out the sunlight hours. Before... There's something above me making a ton of squeaking noises on my wood floor. I could hear the sounds of the awakening of the life of the guard several fields lengths away. The howl of a hound, the chittering complaint of a, a foss disturbed against his will. Uh, if the Garthmaster was a pusher... Oh, his field laborers might be hurried out before dawn to start their day's work here. Oh, there was one glimmering of an idea that had uh, ridden Niall for the past half hour. He had begun to believe that he sought there was buried, a cache uh, set skillfully and with cunning to be discovered by someone from the Garth. Treasure trove not remaining hidden from vanished years in the past, but from some days earlier. And if his guess was the truth, he believed he knew now where to look for its confirmation. He scrambled around the log, began a careful search of the ground, and what he thought when he saw it was not uh, located near the fallen trees, waiting to be branch stripped and hauled away. He had been placed in the midst of a tangle of wild berry bushes. The swollen, yellow-fruited brambles had been carefully rearranged to hide turned earth, but it was a gleam of metal artfully exposed to catch all the eye there. Oh, and the berries! Nigh all! Exclamation point. Recognize those! Oh, they were sweet and trancing to anyone who was thirsty. The, the bait was excellently planned. Any man working here would be drawn to a strip of handful of the fruit uh, during the rest period, perhaps to pick more to share with his fellows. Pick enough to uncover that piece of metal, and then, dot, 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 Niall twitched the bramble back into place. A call from the Garth moved him to haste in his withdrawal. He had been right. Oh, they were already heading for the clearing work, early as it was, and if they brought hounds with them... Again, three dots and exclamation point. I've never seen that in writing before. I've never seen in any prose someone use three dots and then an exclamation point. But this person uses it constantly. He slipped among the bushes and ran, hoping that the workers were not accompanied by dogs, believing he could outwit any settler who tried heavy-footedly heavy-footedly, to follow his trail. Minutes later, he was at the hiding place of the trappers, had established listening intently to the growing noise of the Foz, I forgot about the Foz, uh, drawn roller bumping over the fields in the direction of the clearing near which the bramble hung. Trappers, he was certain of that now, trappers who had left a baited trap. He had been caught in such a trap, and now he was able to fit one more piece into the broken picture. The tube he had hidden, held, wanted for his own, and the green stick, which was born of... Hi, hon. How's it going? Dinner's ready. Dinner's ready? All right, fine. I am in hell. This is the worst thing I've ever read in my entire life. Stop reading. I can't. I've done this too many times. I've got to finish a book. <laughs> Thanks to you, I dropped Peter Pan. People love Peter Pan. They love Disney's Peter Pan. They do love Disney's Peter Pan, but people. Have, I took a look at the uh, the stats today, and I saw that Peter Pan keeps getting hit. People are constantly trying to listen to it, so they must be pretty brokenhearted when I declare that the person was a murderous pedophile who wrote that book, and I dropped it. I gotta finish this one. As far as I know, this author is not a horrible person; just a bad writer. You're still reading that book? 
Yeah, I dropped it before Halloween. To do Halloween episodes. Now I gotta finish this damn thing. I know. <laughs> you weren't in the sex room earlier when I went up there. Uh, it was about a, a hockey player who's been injured. And uh, one of his best friend's sisters is going to set him up to pretend to be in a relationship to help change his image so he can still have a career. What does that have to do with him being injured? I thought he was going to be know. like, I'm injured. And then his friend's sister is like, I'll take care of you. <laughs> Maybe a hockey player that goes up to a Northwoods cabin where it happens to be run by a sexy lady. Exactly. Ooh, he broke his leg. I got to get back to the rink. It's like, you can't go back to the it's rink like yet. Misery, but sexy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not threatening and murderous and, you know, creepy. Exactly. Well, all right. I'll be up to have dinner as soon as I get done with this goddamn chapter. Okay. Where did I leave off? Uh, glimming idea, scrambled around a log. He slipped among the bushes and ran. Trappers, trappers. But the purpose of this elaborate scheme was still eluded him by some alien means, and Niall was now certain that his, that his illness was no natural ailment unless it could be a Janusian disease induced and controlled by will. Oh, my fucking God. And he had become a different person, strange to his former self, not only physically, oh, but mentally, too. Traps. Trappers. The log ship. Iftcan, <laughs> IR, four dots. Niall's head ached dutifully. It was as if inside his skull there was a stirring, a battering against some tightly bolted door, uh, some hidden part of him fighting for freedom. Oh, he caught the, the reek of man scent, of animal odor. But there was no tonguing from a hound. <laughs> Why did it get weirdly sexual right now? For the period of the day, he must keep under cover. As much as his senses flinched from the alien activities of the Garth, Niall knew that he would remain, if not in this special hideout, then nearby, until he witnessed the spring of the trap, learned what did discolo, or discover its... Ugh, I say that apart again. I'm so tired. Learned what did follow its discovery. There, I'm fucking done. Let's go to the smoking room and talk about how horrible this is. Well, there you are. I've been waiting forever. Uh, why don't you take a seat and uh, have a, a cigar or something? Or just smoke a cigarette. I don't care. It's a smoking room. Do whatever the hell you want in here. Well, let's recap this. Uh, I keep forgetting. Whenever I have this, uh, whenever I pull out the old mansion thing, I got the, the wives' birds chirping in here. Um, the story, he basically, he's half alien and half man. He's inherited the soul of the alien who apparently they leave their soul in these trinkets they leave around the woods. And if you pick one up, you slowly turn into that person who left the trinket. I don't care. So then he escapes. We catch him escaping some giant uh, helicopter spaceship thing that he's trying to run away from. He finds a tree that apparently people like him used to live in. And, uh... He spends most of the time being like, how do I know to go this direction? I don't know. And then it's like, maybe I are the other part of me just inherently knows and keeps feeding you that over and over again. 
goes to the tree. Why do I know to go here? Why do I want to go up higher in the tree? Oh, there's another room. Oh, there's a giant worm that's just like floating there. I don't know, like a heater in the house? I have no idea. Oh, look, there's this bread. Why do I want to eat it? I guess IR wants me to eat it. It just keeps going on forever and ever. You can wrap it up real fast. He ran away from the, the weird spaceship. He wound up going to this tree, which he just inherently knows is someplace he's supposed to do. There's a bunch of stuff in there that he inherently knows is something he's supposed to have. That's the last you got to say about the inherently knowing stuff. And then you just spend the rest of the time. Now what is he going to do? He knows other people have been here, people that have turned just like him. He's got to go find them. That's the end of the chapter. But instead, it drags on forever. And then there's like an owl an owl buddy that he helps and inherently knows why do I know how to get these herbs together to help this owl because of the IR thing I don't care anymore so what's good about this story uh, oh then I guess in the end he finds a like a boat that takes forever to keep spilling and spreading out this it's not a normal boat it looks like a log because they're natural people like we got it that went on for a full page and then uh, now he's just trying to like hide out and stay away from the humans uh, what's good I can't find anything good about this so far. I guess they're not technically a bad writer. It's uh, better than Stephanie Meyer, I guess, but also incredibly boring. So this sucks. A skilled writer who sucks in completely different reasons. Uh, what sucks? This book. How do you know it sucks? It's basically like if you took J.R.R. Token, where every chapter where it's people just walking through the woods, not talking, and describes the landscape and how rough certain terrain was and how there was a bunch of thick branches on this one part. It's basically that, but with everything. At least J.R.R. Token knew that there's parts where you got to have some dialogue or some action. There's nothing like that here. Oh, yeah, dialogue with the fake bird thing. Uh, but that just involved a lot of, like, mental telepathy, and then he just spent a lot of time going, oh, why do I understand what he's saying? It's like, we got it. We got the concept. Move on. Uh, what does a bird have to say? We never learn. Uh, and what do we learn from this? That this book, I am now on chapter eight, and uh, we are looking at how many chapters in this goddamn thing. This book doesn't even have a chapter list. <laughs> I'm in hell. Uh... How many chapters are you? Chapter 8 to 18. I have 10 more chapters left. Well, that's what we learn. People who have laborious writing write laboriously, and they will write a lot of chapters of it. Well, I'm dedicated to finishing this turd before I move on to Winnie the Pooh. So with that, uh, thanks for listening, and I'll be back probably next week. I'm going to plow through this thing. Ah, uh, well, it appears you found me in the part of the podcast I hate the most where I tell you all about the places on the internet where you can find me. You can tell I hate this because of the sound effects making it sound like a stormy night uh, in the drawing room of the damned. Now, there's there's that. Uh, I, I, are you cool? I like cool people. It's the reason why I got involved in this business to begin with, just to meet cool people. Not losers. So if you're cool, uh, feel free to go over to my website, uh, nuzzlehouse.com. You can see a backlog of everything I've ever read, including stuff like gestating the curious mind with my lady friend, and also a, a little side project I'm going to be doing with my daughter. Oh, I'm on Instagram, but no one uses that anymore because they all use TikTok. Am I ever going to get on TikTok? No. 
But if you want to look at my dead Instagram, it's at uh, HouseNuzzle. I also have Twitter, which I use the most, which is also conveniently at HouseNuzzle. Uh, and since, uh, since I think you might be cool, you can always just email me directly. Glenn.Nuzzles at gmail.com But don't, uh, don't email if you're a, a nerdlinger or a dork. Now, back to business. I can't believe I drank all of them already. There's got to be one left. 